Hello, welcome to the Talking Community Safety podcast. The aim of this podcast is to give you ideas on how to improve the strategic response to community safety in your area. This podcast is brought to you from the Community Safety Consultancy. I'm Suzanne and one of the partners there. We have a particular interest in the public health approach to tackling violence and addressing the root causes of domestic abuse and community safety. In this episode of the podcast, I'm really pleased to introduce you to a guest. Amanda Warburton Wynne is a domestic abuse and sexual violence specialist who has a particular interest in tackling these issues in the people who are older, people with learning disabilities or physical disabilities. She is a researcher and trainer and is based in the UK. So without further ado, let's get started with the interview. Hi Amanda and um, welcome to the Talking Community Safety podcast. Um, so Amanda Warburton Wynn has been working um, in the domestic abuse field for quite some time so um, yeah can you introduce a bit about yourself and, and your interest in the domestic abuse field? Yeah sure um, so I have sort of two hats in um, domestic abuse and sexual violence world. Um, first of all I've worked for the Cambridgeshire and Peterborough Domestic Abuse and Sexual Violence Partnership for the last 10 years which is that's part of Cambridgeshire County Council local authority um, but I also do um, independent consultancy and training and research in my own time outside of the day job as well so I've got a bit of a sort of dual role there. Um, so how long have you been working in the domestic abuse field? What has particularly has drawn you to working and staying in this um, area of work? So before I joined the domestic abuse team, um, I had got a background in mostly um, senior ad- administration roles and project management, but particularly things around older people, residential homes, home care, that kind of stuff, and also adult safeguarding, um, which I was particularly interested in. So when I got my current role, um, which is um, I I lead on work around communications and awareness and training and things like that, um, I wanted to do a particular emphasis around older victims and also victims of disabilities, because I noticed that um, they're often the victims that aren't talked about as, as much and particularly with older people as well um, there aren't as many services for them and there aren't as many funding options open either. Yeah absolutely I quite agree as um, I suppose the, the most of the research that's been undertaken for both in the UK and abroad over many years predominantly focused on younger women and until a few years ago the British Crime Survey only recorded domestic abuse up to 59 I think wasn't it so yeah it's like um, it's a completely hidden um sector of society really wasn't it older or anyone over, aged over 60 which I'm sure anyone who's aged 60 would not want to describe themselves as an older person but certainly no. <laughs> in terms of the data yeah it's um, always been quite um difficult isn't it to get any information on anybody mm. um older than that experience in domestic abuse um yeah so what are some of the um, main challenges you think you can see in terms of uh, what people being identified or older or um, experiencing domestic abuse or any common myths you see as well? Um, I think as you've just mentioned the problem around data um, and lack of research is going to continue for quite some time because even though the age limit on the um, police crime survey has now been 
um, removed completely, it's obviously going to take quite some time to get enough data to actually say what is happening to, to older victims. Um, obviously, the data for younger victims has been around for some time, but I, I would guess it's going to take at least five to ten years to be able to get some good data. Um, so that is one of the issues. And at the moment, most research around old, older victims is just estimated data. So that makes it really difficult when you're applying for um, funding to start services up to say, well, we can only estimate the number rather than actually, um, you know, de definitively prove the number. So I think that's a, one of the main challenges. But that also then leads on to things around, um, I, I guess, some of the myths around older people that um, they have ex may have experienced abuse for a very long time in their life and therefore they are not happy with it, but they sort of don't really want to change things. Um, and also things around... Um, if somebody doesn't actually want to leave the relationship, maybe because they're a carer for the person that's abusing them, that therefore they don't want any help. Um, so it's those kind of um, things that are often said about older victims. Yeah, that's an interesting point you just picked up on there about the caring role. That's certainly something I've I've seen, particularly um, domestic homicide reviews and, and Marrick cases as well. When you audit those that particularly as a caring role, whether it's the perpetrator or the victim um, is the carer. If you've got that caring relationship, it certainly can, I think, cause more challenges and perhaps preconceptions by professionals, can't it, in terms of what could be done? Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. I think the, there certainly needs to be a bit more creative thinking when it comes to safety planning, um, when older victims are involved, particularly when there's, there's a caring relationship there as well, um, because some of the traditional things that we would think of around um, the client being eventually safer if the relationship ends, um, then, and sort of support around going into women's refuges and things like that aren't always suitable for older people um, so sometimes it's about maintaining their safety and lowering the risk but accepting that they do they still want to either keep caring for the person or keep being in that relationship yeah I think one of the other things as well isn't it it's, um it's the same for any, anybody of any age obviously but particularly older people as well um I know I remember a bit of domestic homicide review notification we had in my area and um the person the lady I think she was in her 70s or 80s and her um husband had died and then the adult son had taken on that um sort of perpetrator behavior mm -hmm. to her to her so she'd been in an abusive relationship with her partner her husband who died and then um the, the son took on that role adult son and I think that's another dynamic isn't it you see more more I'm really sadly but actually uh, um older people being experienced domestic abuse from their children or even grandchildren sometimes as well isn't it yeah, definitely. And um, there, there definitely needs to be more of a consideration of the the whole family when you're looking at an older person to see whether that abuse is coming from more than one um, person. And, and yeah, especially um, the adolescent and child to parent or carer or grandparent abuse as well is um, something that um, has only in the last couple of years really been talked about. Um, but it, it's still not necessarily being talked about in relation to older people being abused by grandchildren. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you've, I understand you've been doing some research recently. Um, do you want to talk a bit about um, 
that? Yeah, um, so the research that um, I've been doing, I've, I've done three sort of bigger pieces of research in the last couple of years. One was where I looked at um, domestic homicide reviews that involved um, people with vulnerabilities in the east of England. So I'm um, trying to pick out some of the key themes that were coming up there. Um, and I mean, the, the things that came out were the things we've talked about around sort of caring relationships and familial abuse and things like that. Um, I've also done some research into older people being victims of sexual assault by hospital staff. Um, something similar has been in, in the press over the last few months about sexual assaults in the NHS. My research was particularly around um, people over 60 who were um, experiencing that. Um, and then at the moment, I'm looking at um, issues of carers, both as um, victims of domestic abuse from the person that they're caring for, but also sometimes um, when carers do actually choose to deliberately abuse the, the person that they're caring for as well. Um, so yeah, quite a lot going on in terms of research, but as we said, there isn't a huge amount of research out there. So um, I'm hoping that Mike can contribute to you know what, what there is and help people understand the issues a bit more yeah definitely and would you say um there's a element of um i don't know what do you think there's some little stereotypes i think you've sort of, we touched on some of them before but i think um in terms of yeah what how people agencies respond professionals respond is there some sort of stereotyping would you say as well in terms of how agencies and what, what some of the myths we talked about before about myth busting but some of the things that you think you are quite obvious that perhaps people just don't recognize when they're working with older people who are experiencing abuse i think that um ageism can play quite a part in um firstly identifying older victims so it's often assumed that domestic abuse just doesn't happen to older people um but also both on the victim side but on the perpetrator side as well the, there often isn't thought about when a, a perpetrator is abusing at age 30 or 40 when he gets to 70 or 80 he's not going to just stop that those behaviors um so one i think one of the, the big challenges is around um trying to get people to understand that it does happen to to victims who in you know sort of in their later years but but also those perpetrating behaviours are still there and it doesn't matter if um, if somebody um, is physically frail or perhaps as a, as a disability, they are still able to continue that abuse because as, as we know, it's not just physical abuse. There are, there are so many different types of abuse. Um, and I think with older people, um, it, I'm noticing that it, there seems to be a lot more um, coercive control and emotional abuse rather than the physical side of things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a it can be an issue for any age, can't it? But I think it's um, you know, people's mm -hmm. expectations of um, what's normal, or, or they get people get used to relationships not being very good, and they yeah. think that's normal. We don't realise when it's sort of gone over that unhealthy, um, and it's not sort of. Um, yeah it's not healthy conflict healthy arguments actually it's quite unhealthy and it's people just accept the norm don't they that isn't isn't very good at all um yeah so in terms of I suppose the other dynamics that older people might have different health issues we talked touched on dementia earlier but obviously things like sight loss isn't there and mobility problems as well um 
in some ways they could be quite helpful ways for other agencies to be involved because people have got health problems they obviously are likely to be in touch with different specialists so would you say um is there any particular should you say health i know health is a good example of a, a sector that can help anyone experience domestic abuse but would you say that's perhaps one of the most key ones for older people experiencing abuse it can be i think particularly in terms of um gp um services i think from domestic homicide reviews that i've been on that have involved older victims that there is very much um, a, almost a sort of 50 50 split really between people who had a lot of contact with a lot of agencies um in, including you know health social care various um sort of community voluntary organizations but then there was a contrast between people who had pretty much no contact with anybody other than a GP. Um, so I, I think GPs are very much the key because particularly with older people and some of the illnesses that are more prevalent in, in older life, the GP may sometimes be the only person that, that people actually have contact with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it could be um, interesting as well, isn't it, with any with anyone, any, um, particularly when people get older, sometimes there's this view that they will get more injuries and more ailments and actually not recognise the cause of those actually is the result of domestic abuse, whether directly or indirectly through the stress and the um, sort of trauma of living in an abusive situation, isn't it? It's um, quite complex. People don't necessarily look under the surface. People get used to, I suppose, older people being more depressed, we get more, sometimes more isolated just generally because not being able to do, have their social life's quite change and obviously not working perhaps as well so yeah it's quite um people yeah probably have an expectation of what it's like being older in terms of that restriction don't they and the ailments and things so it's um quite changing yeah. is there any sort of key any key things you would say um to professionals I suppose in any sector as to what they can do when they're work, seeing working with older people and to consider a, abuse I think being aware of a lot of a lot of the things you've just mentioned, really, um, and it's about that professional curiosity and not just accepting um, what you what you see or what you're told at face value. Not necessarily challenging that to say that everybody's telling lies, but you know, if a, if um, if a, there's a case where a, a carer says that you can't talk to the person that they care for because they won't understand or they need them to be there all the time, those kind of things can actually indicate abuse. So it's really important to try and speak to carers and cared for people separately when you can. And like you mentioned about injuries as well, it's it's not just um, sort of things like bruises, but also things like pressure sores and things that we associate with older people um, who may be sitting still or laying still for quite some time we think well they all get pressure sores or they all get um, UTIs but actually that, that can sometimes be an indicator of abuse as well particularly with um, with mentioning UTIs and things like that something that's not talked about a lot is um, sexual abuse of older people that which can be um, within an intimate relationship when one person is receiving unwanted sexual attention from the other um, but it that can it can also come from um, other family members as well and it's very often not talked about um, because I think there's there's that misconception that um, older people don't have any sexual relations at all but um, also that anybody who does um, perpetrate 
sexual abuse against older people that it's because some it's because of some kind of fetish rather than about having control and power over somebody else um, so yeah things like UTIs and infections like that can sometimes be an indication that there is some sexual abuse going on there yeah I think that's really yeah really interesting and I was aware of a, um, a domestic homicide of you um, in the region where I'm based and yeah, was, uh, actually the older person did disclose they were being sexually abused had been for many years by their husband but professionals didn't know what to do with that information really or not not really a clear where to direct them and I think it's again it's the right specialist intervention isn't it because um in rape crisis um sexual assault centers will work with anybody of any age normally won't they and actually they offer that specialist expertise but yeah I don't know what their referral rates are but certainly there's other agencies as well as multi-agency response isn't it that coordinated community response to domestic abuse isn't it and and that includes yeah, sexual yeah. violence, absolutely. Yes, definitely. I think think there's also when it comes to um, things like rape within marriage, obviously that wasn't made illegal until sometime during the 1970s. So for a lot of older people, they that may have even passed them by and it is just part of marriage for them. Um, so I think that there's a lot of things that have changed over the years that younger people are more aware of but perhaps older people aren't and their attitudes to things may be very different as well yeah yeah I was at least on sort of thinking about um the older people dash that you've developed in terms of agencies identifying domestic abuse obviously the domestic abuse um risk identification checklist that um been around for many years now in the domestic abuse sector um is something people use to identify domestic abuse but you've uh, been working on one for older people you talk a little bit about that yeah sure so um we piloted it in 2021 um and uh, last year 2022 it became sort of business as usual usual for us um basically because of the way that the the standard dash risk assessment um, the questions that are asked on there a lot of them relate more to younger victims and particularly to victims with children so questions around pregnancy and things like that um, so they're usually not relevant to older people and professionals filling them in or sometimes when they see the questions about children they won't always think about grandchildren as well um, which can lead to a lower score on the dash and then professionals not always using that professional judgment just thinking that um, well the score is low therefore they must be at a lower risk but what we did was to look at some of the risks that are more relevant to older people so things like caring relationships mental health including dementia of either the victim or the perpetrator um, and also those issues around familial abuse and familial relationships um, and basically we in Cambridge we use a 27 um, question dash and we took some of the questions out that weren't quite so relevant and replaced them with the ones that highlighted the risk to older people to still keep the um, old people's dash at 27 questions so we wouldn't sort of you know mess up the scoring. Um, basically during during the pilot we looked at cases that um, hadn't used the older people's dash for somebody aged 60 plus and what the score would have been if they had have used the older people's dash and consistently with the older people's dash that risk score would have been higher um, not always into the high risk going to Marrick but it may have actually made the professional think well this is a slightly higher risk than I thought um, and get them just considering some of those more complex 
issues really um so yeah so we're um we're really happy in Cambridge here if anybody wants to use the older people's dash we have it on our website and a report about it as well um and we would love other areas to sort of use it and let us know how they get on with it as well so um was that for over 60 year olds you used it with yes it was age 60 and above yeah. yeah um which was which was a difficult decision to make on the age range because we all use the phrase older people but that you know what is an older person what is that age um some services will can start as young as 50 for older people whereas others you know sort of later on so we decided on age 60 plus as a sort of middle ground really okay so yeah it's really interesting so i'll put the link to that in the notes the show notes so people can have easy access to it um i think it's really interesting conversation um is there any other comments you'd like to make or takeaways you'd like to leave people thinking about working older people affected by domestic abuse I think an important thing that I have found when I've been both when I've been doing the older people's dash and the more recent work around dementia and particularly around carers is um, the use of adult safeguarding powers under the Care Act um, and how prior to the Care Act there, there was a mindset that anything involving somebody aged 60 plus was a safeguarding issue obviously with the Care Act setting out the criteria around an adult at risk that isn't always the case and we're finding that particularly in the case of um, older carers who are being abused they often don't meet that criteria Um, but professionals will sometimes still think it must be an adult safeguarding issue when that gets rejected they really don't know what to do and that's where I really encourage people to to really think creatively look at the different things that can be put in place not just to remove that risk but sometimes just lowering that risk can be just as effective for for the victims provider um so yeah i think that is what i would encourage people to do more have that professional curiosity and really think outside the box okay that's really great thank you very much it's great to meet you and um yeah maybe we shall talk again soon thank you thank you I hope you found that an interesting interview. I know I did, and I hope it's given you food for thought in how to tackle domestic abuse when it affects older people. If you would like any more information on Amanda's work, then you can visit her website, which is awdaconsultancy.com, and I'll put the link in the show notes, and she's also on LinkedIn. If you've got any more questions on the work at Community Safety Consultancy, or have any ideas for future topics on this Talking Community Safety podcast, then do feel free to contact me or my partner in the business, Lucy, um, at our website at communitysafetyconsultancy.co.uk. Until next time, thank you for listening. Goodbye.